This is The Immigrant View, a podcast for immigrants by immigrants. Welcome to the show. The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantNetworks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Immigrant View with IO. It's a great pleasure being here with you. Hope you're having a great, wonderful, fantastic day. I definitely am. Today, I have my co-host just entered the building and he is coming. My son, ladies and gentlemen, is sick and is here. Come say hi to everyone, Dio. Say hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. What do you need, Dio? Uh, can I please show him a different car is crashing on? Sure. Go downstairs and shut the door. Daddy is recording. Can I please have your phone? He knows I'm recording, so he knows he can do this right now. All right. Don't come back upstairs. <laughs> Here you go. Go downstairs, shut the door. Shut the door, please. All right, so where was I, podcast listeners? Welcome again to the podcast as uh, Dio takes over my phone and God knows what he's probably watching now. Um, but anyway, we have today a wonderful, wonderful individual that is truly inspiring. And I can't wait. We, By the way, we need to have two parts of this podcast, okay? Uh, this, this is just not enough for me. Um, she arrived in Canada as a child in 1971, tried very hard to fit in. Um, of course, Canada then was not Canada today, uh, but she has moved beyond that now. Uh, she's into politics. So she's, she's a social activist. Um, she has raised over $200,000 for Syrian refugees here in Canada. And uh, she has volunteered on, from here, this number might be wrong. What I have here says 13 boards and committees. I'm sure it's a lot more than that now. Uh, <laughs> she's laughing, so I'm sure that's true. Uh, but she's also a mother. Uh, she's a wife. And yeah, I'm just really inspired to have this conversation with her. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please join me to welcome Rana Zaman. Am I correct on your last name? Perfect. Rana Zaman, you're like point on IO. I hope Woo-hoo. I'm saying that correctly. Yes, you are. Thank you very much. You know, I think I've gone so used to AO and IO that I don't even tell the difference anymore. I just, yeah, whatever. But yeah, that's absolutely uh, wonderful. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Today, we wanted to talk about your story. We wanted to talk about. Um, growing up in Canada, and then also volunteering. I know you have a, a TED Talk online. Please go check it out when you can. A really great TED Talk um, that you share. I'm going to look up for the topic now, and then I'll share with people. But please, would love to hear your story. You say you arrived in 1971. What was Canada like then? Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to clarify. I always thought I came in 71, but my dad came in 71. And okay. he passed away. I went through his suitcase and then I saw all the file that he had prepared in order to sponsor us. So we came at like the end of 71. So pretty much almost 72. And okay. so, okay. but I've always thought 71. So it's kind of stuck there okay. and it's 70. So picture bell bottom pants, long flowing hair. And we're just passing the era of, you know, the peace era of uh, peace, love and and all that, I, I, the hippie era, I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> very colorful, very flowy. And um, all and I, I think about is staying alive, the Bee Gees right now. That's all that comes to mind. <laughs> that comes a little later. 
that comes a little later because I'm, I actually started dancing and, the, you know, trying to dress in the belt bottom pants and the, the big platform shoes. So that was as I got a little older. Um, it was it was very, very different. There was no multiculturalism. I landed smack dab in the area that was considered uh, the heart of the black community. Mm. And um, and I thought, wow, okay, you know, people like myself. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I was I was the foreigner. So as I said, uh, I, I, I didn't fit in. I wasn't black enough to be black uh, community and white enough to be with the white community. So I kind of got it from both communities. And I've had said this so many times, mm. but uh, that's okay. Uh, it is what it is at that time honestly speaking I always thought of it as bullying but uh, now sadly what uh, has morphed into for me as a Muslim if I get any kind of racist or hateful comments let's just say and and they're very specific comments especially it's it's actually morphed into Islamophobia and that actually has come into effect since um, 9-11. So up until then, I would think it was pure racism and discrimination. And honestly, people were not aware of who Muslims were, or what they were or anything. And I myself, you know, um, am not a stereotypical Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I did not become more um, involved in the religion and learning more until really as, as a young adult, once I got married, because my parents were just very hardworking, dedicated people, and they concentrated and we, they taught us the basics, but it wasn't you know, hardcore. So it was never an issue. And I actually went to church when I was little. So I know about the Bible and all the stories and, and very well informed in that respect. And so um, as a result, you know, my parents have always been very accepting and respectful of all religion and faiths. And they were friends with uh, other South Asians. And at that time, we're Pakistani, there weren't as many Pakistani, there were more Indian community as well. So everyone worked together, you know, they got along because it was such a small community and, and became very tight in my father's generation. Hmm. But for me, it was, it was challenging, no multiculturalism, uh, no organizations, resources. You had to look very far and wide. The strongest pa- uh, spice was pepper salt and pepper <laughs> so, so you can imagine the challenge of you know flavors and uh, and I know my father tried to do halal meat which is considered the same version as kosher meat you know it has to be sacrificed with a prayer and then blood drained from it which by the way Canada does anyways they they drain the blood of the animals because that is hygienic it is healthy to do that that you know it's safer for consumption so the only uh, thing that's missing is the prayer that we say over it and uh, thank god so um so my father would drive out for an hour or two hours i think he found a farm that was two plus hours away or three that agreed to let him sacrifice or you know buy an animal and do the prayer so we didn't have meat for a year wow. <laughs> you know, because we couldn't find any halal meat and now oh my gosh if all over Canada, but Nova Scotia is a small place. Now we've got halal stores, um, meat shops, and even restaurants. And it's it's grown. It's grown. It's amazing. Mm. That's awesome. I remember growing up, my father would always say, he's Muslim as well, would always say the um, the prayers before he would, you know, kill the guinea fowl or chicken or turkey. And I was scared out of my mind, you know, so I would always stand all the way as far back as possible. I mean, just in case the chicken decided to, you know, jump away. 
So I, I do remember those, uh, those days and those prayers, very powerful. You have a TEDx talk, how volunteering led to the United Nations. And by the way, for, uh, listeners, please, uh, I, it's a very powerful talk um, that, 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 uh, that was shared. And uh, I, I think it's important that we all, we all go back and, and, and watch and listen in uh, to some of the key concepts that were shared. But um, uh, Rana, if, if you can walk us through this, um, why is volunteering important? And yeah, what worked for you and what made, what led you from volunteering to, it seems from what I've heard from you, volunteering has really just provided exposure and some really great opportunities. Uh, so yeah, if you could walk us through that, that would be awesome. Okay, so unfortunately I never got this advice or, or had this knowledge how a volunteering can actually expedite your career. It can help you become more involved and educated and, and you grow, you know, because you find out where resources are. So we didn't have that and we struggled by just trying to do work, um, put food on the table, but, you know, not getting into the fields that we needed to get into that we were qualified for. Mm -hmm. um, and most immigrants realize that they, the, the struggle is get a job, start putting food on the table and have a roof over your head. And no matter what job it is, regardless of your qualifications, until you can get the job that you're qualified for. Mm -hmm. And most of them know they have to get reassessed for it. And it is a struggle. So the reason I did what I did was actually was a spiritual journey. And um, I went to Hajj. I did my pilgrimage um, about six years ago, six and a half now almost. And uh, I went to Mecca. So when I went to Mecca um, awesome. at, at 50, <laughs> I was like, I was overwhelmed by the level of unity and mm. that was displayed there from people from all walks of life, social status, uh, from different parts of the world of every color you could imagine. And they were just focused on this one cause and, 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 uh, and dedicated and doing it peacefully in harmony. And mm -hmm. like, I made a prayer to God and I said, Yala, help me bring this level of uh, unity back to my little community of Nova Scotia. Wonderful. And I will dedicate the rest of my life in your name and your honor and glory. Well, I came back. What it did was it made, I made myself open. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I came back, the first thing that I, uh, that I, unfortunately, social media showed me was the body of the little boy, I am Curdy. Washed up. Um, it was devastating and I couldn't sleep when I saw that. So I became aware of it. And uh, if your father's Muslim, you know, we're taught the right hand shouldn't know what the left hand is doing when it comes to charity work. Right. But uh, there are cases where like, if you are meant to encourage others to participate, then, then that is the time to show, to encourage mm -hmm. them. So I decided that I would reach out to not just Muslim community, but all community members. So I went to the, the Sikh community. I went to the Indian community. I went to the church community. Um, I went to all of them. And I said, let's work together to sponsor Syrian families. So this is where we did the largest fundraiser in Nova Scotia. And we raised $200,000 in pledges. And out of the pledges that were honored, we were very fortunate to have uh, uh, sponsored five families. And out of that five families, we sponsored another couple further down the road that was related. So we actually ended up with six. Um, mm -hmm. So 
So one thing leads to another. So once you start becoming involved in public, you know, you I, there was a huge event. So we started an organization. I'm the founding member or co-founder. It was two of us. Um, it was called United for One Association because we needed that to do the fundraising and to sponsor the families under the laws. Then the door opened to another organization. I said, okay, now we have to help, especially the women and children of the Syrian family. So I, I joined an immigrant migrant women's group um, because they would have programming to help, you know, uh, connect with the women and other other immigrant women to help them integrate into society more easily. And of course, to, to deal with the effects that they must be facing from all the trauma and the war that's been going on. Right. That led to me going on the ISENS Welcoming Committee, which is a large organization here that is funded that helps immigrants. I ended up uh, being on their welcoming committee for the Syrian refugees. So I was at the ground, ground zero level when it was in Nova Scotia and all of them come in. So as a result, I'm very blessed to know a lot of the Syrian community. Mm. And that just led to another organization. And then I, as a Pakistani, um, we needed an organization for us. Um, so I'm the founding member of the Pakistani Canadian Association of Nova Scotia. Wow. And it just kept on going. And I was, I was a founder and then president. And then the whole idea was to do cultural events, to build bridges with the other communities and to, to show who we are, that we are part of the community. And the reasoning behind it as well was because of the height of Islamophobia that seemed to be happening and, and reaching at some point, I feel it's uh -huh. still because of 9-11, there was a lot of stereotyping. And I said to our community, we have to be involved with other communities so they can see that we're a viable part of the community. We've always been here. We've been supporting, providing, been doing work behind the scenes. But now we have to show them that we have always been here and supportive mm. and, and bring them on board. And we have to start building these bridges, like visibly building the bridges. So that's where all this led to. And um, being, I'm a very people person. I love people. I just enjoy them and to get to know them. So I've always had that friendship and those, those connections since I was even younger. And I right. kept, now it was very beneficial because I could go to them and say, look, we have this opportunity. Would you like to join us? So it's important to have the organizations and then have them working together. So, so that's, like if I kept going and I kind of did in my TED talk, then it went, keeps growing. So that's where at one point it ended up being 13 organizations because people would ask me to join them and I would never say no. It's like, oh, Rana, I hear you've done this. Would you come and join us and work with our organization? I was like, sure. <laughs> so I actually was founding member of another organization called CHA, the Caring wow. Organization. And, and I have some great news that I'll share next time on the podcast with that. I don't want to give it away, but there's going to be something amazing happening there again. Awesome. The concept from that was uh, the community, the Muslim women made home cooked meals of the same quality that we do for our own families, fresh ingredients, no leftovers, served the same day, hot piping meals to the homeless shelters. So mm -hmm. I'll uh, coordinate with them. And uh, we, the, the Muslim women, and then it was wonderful because then um, they asked for people to volunteer and serve. So the Muslim women would take their children. So then, you know, they were interacting with the most vulnerable in our community and the most vulnerable were interacting with us. And mm. then one event, we also opened up our mosque, uh, the Ummah Masjid, and it's the first time in the history of Nova Scotia where the mosque had opened up and, uh, and, and welcomed to, uh, the most vulnerable, the homeless, to come and have a, a freshly cooked meal. So there were a lot of firsts that we did. And uh, and now I'm so, 
grateful and and amazed and inspired that you know other community leaders and organizations have taken up uh, you know the causes and have just taken it so much further where they're serving thousands of meals now during Ramadan and, and things like that to others. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how it grows and it just keeps growing and it, uh, it stops when you say no. <laughs> I love that. You know, one of the key things that I, I was speaking to someone earlier today and I was sharing that I'm not sure that many of us immigrants know this, but if you're looking to build your your level of influence, if you're looking to move up the corporate ladder, one of the key ways of doing that is by serving and volunteering. It seems so counter counter to what you're looking to do, but that's the best thing. One, the caliber of people that are usually on these boards and leadership are, are the people that could sponsor, that could coach, that could mentor you. And two, there's just this thing about um, how this, the universe and the society and how God works, how you serve, it's like God remembers and then he just takes care of you in return. You know what I mean? So I always challenge immigrants, but the concern or the feedback I always get is, is it a paid position or I don't have time for it? So we have three more minutes. I would love your advice for immigrants around why they should volunteer and serve. We'd love your thoughts. Okay, so I just I was invited to speak at NASCAT. Um, it, it's a community college in Nova Scotia and, um, and it's, it's immigrants that were there. And I said, number one, pick what you love to do. Mm-hmm. The volunteering, go in it, not with just the idea of I'm gonna get something out of it in the sense you know, that I'm going in there for ulterior motives, mm-hmm. but Go in there going, I'm doing this because I love doing this. And the joy I get out of it, even if I don't get a job or anything, I will have that feeling of satisfaction that I've done something constructive. Mm -hmm. Number two, the side effect of that will always be you will make connections with other people who are on these boards and organizations and you are sharing your skills and your capabilities. So when a position does open up, either within the board or outside, they will remember you, you know, Io was just brilliant mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. very well you know coordinated and organized and and efficient i think i'm going to tell them to apply for this position mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i can recommend them you will get recommendation letters for mm-hmm. every job that you apply for they ask you do you have any experience well you're like i don't have any work experience other than my volunteering which included doing these aspects that have to do with your level of skills absolutely and abilities, right so try to choose organizations that actually can incorporate your level of skills. So it mm-hmm. is connected. But at the end of it, always take from it that when you go home, you have this sense of accomplishment and mental satisfaction that it's not all about money. It is all about, you know, giving. And by giving, you're automatically receiving. Absolutely. Servant humanity. I love it. I love it. Ron, I'm so sad that I have to say we have to end it here. I'm like, we just, we're just getting started. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to a part B. Uh, thanks for all the great work that you're doing. Thanks for being an inspiration to so many, myself included. 
Thanks for always smiling. There's a way you, it's like you're doing so many amazing things, uh, but then you're still able to be so engaged in the conversation to even say, how's your son doing? Is it feeling better? <laughs> you know? My mom, that's the mom in me. I, I, it's, it's, it comes in, right? And I, sometimes I, 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 I'm hesitant. It's like, oh my gosh, you're getting a little personal. It's not your business, right? But I'm like, are you okay? Can I help you in any way? It's like, no, woman, mind your own business. I like, you know, and I, <laughs> I don't know. And they would be right to say that. But I'm just like, like the mom, like even you, if, if I saw that you weren't looking well one day, I was like, Hi, are you not looking good? Are you eating okay? <laughs> you taking care of yourself? And I'm sorry. I, uh, and, and, and I did that to a young performer that came here. And my friend was with me and I looked at I said, you're such a handsome young man, but you're looking very thin. Are you taking care of yourself? Is this concert, you know, wearing you down? And my friend was like, I can't believe you told that guy he was too skinny. So I didn't say he was too skinny. I just says, you know, you're, you're looking very thin. Are you taking care of yourself? And I That's just, hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. You know, uh, every now and then when I meet people and I talk to my wife and, um, you know, I'll have like an hour meeting with the person. I'll say it was wonderful. And then she'll ask me questions that I never thought of. She'll say, you know, you know, what are the name of the children? I don't know. How old are the kids? I don't know. What, like, what are you talking about? But it, it's just amazing where her mind goes and the types of questions that she asked that I never would, th would have thought of at all. Well, wow, Rana, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I really do appreciate your time. My pleasure. And if any members of your audience have any kind of questions, um, I, I say no whole bars. I will be very honest. Straight up, you will get an answer from me. No, nothing wishy-washy. And uh, if you're curious about Islam, bring it to me. <laughs> if you're you know, curious about women and, and uh, immigrants and the struggles, because the struggle is real, the racism is real, the bigotry is real, it's all there. And, and you as a Black individual and immigrant, you know, has those extra challenges i as a woman of color and we have to accept that but we also have to realize there's so much good there too mm. there's mm. like and and i say very importantly engage with the indigenous community and the black community here in canada i know in nova scotia they've had so much struggles and they're the best teachers especially if you mm. want to do activism or or kind of learn how to i'm going to say fight for yourself these mm. are the leaders like they have been struggling for their rights for 400 plus years or more. Wow. The best teachers. R Rana, you're, you're, you're just opening a can of worms, but I got to go though. <laughs> Before you go, I did want to say, I should have said that I'm on the unceded, unsurrendered land of the Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq people here in Nova Scotia. Absolutely. That's where this is coming from. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Take care. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Why don't you do us a favor and share this podcast with a friend or colleague? The Immigrant View is brought to you by ImmigrantsNetworks.com. Hi, I'm Nick Narani, founder and CEO of Immigrant Networks. Listen, if you're an immigrant or an international student looking to find a job and expand your network in Canada, Immigrant Networks is for you. Immigrant Networks, we say networking to get working. It is a community built by immigrants just like you to help you overcome one of the biggest challenges that immigrants have when they come here, and that is finding and retaining a job. Visit our website today and get matched within days with someone from your profession and learn and grow. 
Immigrant Networks Networking to Get Working Music provided by bentsound.com